0: jesuits of canada and the united states this is amdg and i'm eric clayton some people say i talk about star wars too much those people are absolutely right but here's the reason i talk so much about star wars the franchise is a window into a larger universe a universe that has the same flawed characters hope-filled adventures and deep galaxy altering questions as our own plus there are lightsabers What I'm trying to say is this. A story like Star Wars helps us expand our own imagination. Helps us better grapple with how we share and reflect upon our own stories. We dream bigger about what's possible in our lives and our society as a result. And maybe we learn something new about how God works. Don't believe me? I hope you'll take today's episode of AMDG as my response to your doubts. My guests are... Dr. Benjamin Espinoza and Jesuit priest Father Ryan Duns. Ben is the Associate Vice President for Online Education and Assistant Professor of Practical Theology at Roberts Wesleyan College. He's also an ordained minister in the Wesleyan Church. Ryan is an assistant professor in the theology department at Marquette University. He's also the Assistant Department Chair and Director of Undergraduate Studies. And, like I said, he's a Jesuit priest. Both of my guests are eminently qualified to discuss theology, philosophy, and pop culture. But what makes them particularly amazing guests today is that they were both involved in a brand new, very cool book, Theology and the Star Wars Universe. Ben was the editor, Ryan contributed an essay, and he talks about that in our conversation. Even if you're not a huge Star Wars fan, I think you'll appreciate the conversation, the grappling we do with making sense of and encountering God in our culture today. If you want to check out the book, the link is in the show notes below. Now, let's dive into theology and Star Wars. Ben Espinoza, Ryan Duns, welcome to AMDG. So glad you're both with us today. Thank you. It's Thank good you. to be here. And you guys are here to talk about probably my favorite topic Uh, which is Star Wars. Uh, Before we launch in, though, I want to give you guys each a chance to introduce yourself. So, Ben, why don't you start? Tell us a little about who you are um, and and maybe how you came to work on this project.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Eric. It's such a pleasure to be here today. Um, I currently serve as the Vice President of Northeastern Seminary in Rochester, New York, so it's an evangelical seminary in the Wesleyan tradition, and uh, I'm always passionate about Uh, conversing with other Christian traditions. I think so highly of the Jesuit Ignatian tradition as well. So I'm so glad that we can have this conversation. So how this came about was in the middle of 2018, I was on vacation in Chicago, I think, and I was surfing the web and I came across this call for papers for theology and the Marvel universe. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I wanna get in on that. So I started exploring a little more. And uh, I noticed that there was sort of a call for uh, proposals for edited volumes. And they were doing like a theology in Game of Thrones, theology in Black Panther, theology in Prince. And I was like, you know what? It'd be great if I could do theology in Star Trek or theology in Pixar, because I really like the Pixar films. But then I thought, you know, I just watched The Last Jedi. Mandalorian's coming out. There's going to be another Star Wars movie and a whole other, you know, bo- like uh, books and comics and all that stuff. I think theology in Star Wars is going to be a great topic. So I proposed the topic, and it was accepted, and then there was the process of soliciting proposals and uh, narrowing it down to the, uh, the volume that you see right here. So that's why I came to work on it. Always been a fan of uh, Star Wars, always been a fan of theology, obviously. So I'm just really proud of the work that all of the contributors did, my peer reviewers, people who edited the volume, and uh, I'm just looking forward to the conversation today.
0: Yeah, awesome. That's that's, that's super fun. And, and again, I just am so excited about the uh, about the topic. Ryan, why don't you tell us a little about
2: uh, who you are and, and how you came to this project? Gladly. Um, so my name is Ryan Duns. I'm an assistant professor of theology at Marquette University. I'm a Jesuit priest for seven years, which means I've been in the society for 18 years, uh, given I, the length of our formation. So it's like being a Padawan learner and just <laughs> <laughs> never being promoted to the... To the council or to full master? (laughs) Does that mean you're
0: going to overthrow the Galactic Republic? Then, as a result, I feel like it's all ends.
2: (laughs) Poor Father Paulson has no idea what's coming up behind him. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I saw the call for papers or for contributions to this volume in 2018. I believe it was on. I was on Christmas vacation, and I teach a lot of undergraduates and. It was my first year teaching at Marquette, and I had a number of students who were super enthusiastic about Star Wars. And as Ben said, the the uh, upcoming man, then Mandalorian and how Obi Wan and another Star Wars movie, it, it just fueled their interest and excitement. And as a teacher, I have found finding toeholds and in within popular culture gives a way of exploring, deepening, and teasing out sometimes very abstruse or arcane theological topics to show how we are inheritors of a living tradition and i think star wars as one who grew up i was born in 79 i grew up on those movies i remember going to see return of the jedi in the theater with my dad and my grandmother i think took me to see it as well i mean it's been part of my life's narrative and i i'm just thrilled to be able to talk about it today
0: that's so fun that you like track your like your own formation, you know, with the Star Wars, uh, you know, trajectory there. Uh, I, I know. I hope that my daughter, my daughter was like a matter of months, and we took her to see Last Jedi. So I wouldn't say she saw Last Jedi; she was just kind of with us while we saw it. So, cool. um, so, so Ryan, you gave us, I think, a great uh, kind of transition into uh, the conversation here, thinking about how Star Wars is, as you said, like, like a toehold, right, into these more. Um, you know, into a wider universe of spiritual concepts and theological reflections. So for you in the classroom, um, talk a little bit more about why you think this particular franchise, this particular, you know, instance of pop culture lends itself to opening the doorway for, for students and, and all, all folks, really, to, uh,
2: to go deeper in their own reflection. Sure. That's a great question. What I have found as a teacher is my students, and, and I, by my students, I mean many of the young people I work with on a regular basis have they suffer from an inability to tell a good story and for for them storytelling it, it almost it's just a narration of one thing follows another follows another but learning to to embrace or be embraced by a larger narrative doesn't come naturally to them and I think for many of at least us whose imaginations were formed by Star Wars or for students who are sort of crave some form of narrative the Star Wars saga or space opera captivates them in a way that other things don't. And I I think there's the big, you know, franchises, Jurassic Park, maybe to some degree, certainly the Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. Harry Potter. These are big stories that talk about the progressive development of an individual. And so you could go to Joseph Campbell's mythology and, you know, the hero's quest, but in all of these, there's something, there's an existential bite to each of them. That there's a confrontation between good and evil, uh, a confrontation with things visible and invisible, a sense that our destinies are not wholly wrought by ourselves alone, but that there are other forces at work. Even when you look at converging storylines, Star Wars or uh, Lord of the Rings, there's even an element of what we would consider like providence as if the light side of the force is slowly, subtly working through the heroes, even if they don't quite understand it or uh, cooperate with it well all the time, moving them toward uh, the resolution of a problem that doesn't uh, negate evil, it doesn't downplay evil uh, or the dark side, but it does um, show that there's a propulsive force on the side of good. And I think that to me, uh, as as a Christian theologian, Catholic theologian, It is one way of of getting students to start to think about their own lives in the context of a much larger revealed narrative. Mm.
0: Yeah. I love that idea of of helping students, all of us, really imagine ourselves against the backdrop of a larger story. Ben, what do you think?
1: Yeah. So, you know, just to spin off uh, what Ryan said, which I think you articulated very, very well, Ryan, to me, there's almost a a pedagogical value to it. So, for instance, if we're talking in the classroom about uh, sanctification or salvation uh, or even some of the larger concepts of, of who God is, uh, you know, star Wars really does give you a good, like, like Ryan said, like a toehold, it's a good opening to discuss these kinds of things. So one of the things that I like to talk about a lot, you know, when I'm talking with students about the theology of star Wars, it's like, you know, let's look at that scene in the empire strikes back when, you know, Yoda's talking to Luke and he's talking about the forces it is within all things, those kinds of things. Um, you know, Is that representative of Christian theology? Is that sort of a pantheistic worldview? Let's talk about those kinds of things, right? It gives them something to hold on to. Uh, And and even then, like there's a part of that whole interchange between Luke and Yoda, where, uh, where Luke's talking about the forces within all things, you know, luminous beings are we. And I'm just like, oh, okay, not this crude matter. I'm like, oh, okay, that's Genesis 1, talking about how humans are created in the image of God, the Imago Dei. So it's a good opening to discuss some larger theological concepts. And like Ryan's so well articulated, find themselves in the broader narrative uh, where good wins out most of the time, right? So to me, it has a very pedagogical value to analyze these texts of popular culture that we all adore and love and think about them you know, theologically.
0: How do you guys respond? Because I imagine you get the question um, when you're when you're working on a book such as this, uh, a volume such as this. How do you respond to people that might say like, "Oh, like essentially so you're you're wasting your time. You know that's that's not real. Star Wars isn't real. Let's let's focus our attention just on you know the real stuff. You know we have all this theological thinking and scriptures and the saints and 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 you know members of the church." what's your response to that i think i've heard a little, little bit of that response already but but just pretend you're in the elevator with somebody and, and they they level that accusation at you uh ben what would you what would you say first
1: yeah i i would say you know well well do you believe that we as you know christian people we need to look at all areas of life and culture uh through the lens of scripture through the lens of the gospel they say absolutely like, well why is star wars any different you know and if anything you know star wars is a good foray into thinking about broader issues like i said you know, who is God? What is the nature of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? You know, what is the force? Is there any sort of real world kind of parallel to to the force in our current world, right? And to me, the conversation, people very easily, at least when I've talked with people who have raised a very similar question, Eric, uh, they start to see the benefit of it. And for them, you know, it just might be very pragmatic. Okay, Star Wars leads to like the real stuff. But what I want to show people is like, look, You know popular culture all these texts and narratives in our culture are really they're the canvas on which we put our hopes and dreams and our values and these kinds of things we're looking at a reflection of the things that we care about as people and as society and even as christians too so any sort of conversation that we can have around deeper broader issues uh is very very good and if star wars is a way of helping us get there let's do it so people have raised that to me and i've gotten to some pretty interesting arguments and debates but Ultimately, I think people start to see the value, even if it's pragmatic.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ryan? You know, I think that's a great question. And you you may know I'm writing a book right now on not theology and horror, but the theology of horror. Mm. And the reason I picked horror is sort of the same reason I'm attracted to Star Wars. More people will go to see a, a horror movie on opening night more between say the ages of 18 and 34, then likely we'll go to mass or to church on a Sunday. It's a different demographic, but there's a level of popularity and there's something about the, the storytelling of a horror movie or Star Wars that captivates and draws people in and invites them to inhabit that story. And I think it would be foolish for us not to take advantage of those opportunities to rethink the story in light and challenge aspects of the story in light of our own religious tradition. We we also forget the Bible. No one no one picked up the you know the Book of Genesis and said, oh well, heavens so look well, now we have the revealed truth and this is all there is. It was <laughs> it's self pop culture. It was a, it's a it's a myth, a structural narrative that explains in a privileged way who mm-hmm. God is, who we are. It's a story that has made sense of our lives and experience. And the more we can show, I think, the, the, the homologies or the resonances between narratives, we, we're letting students um, develop their own conceptual apparatus. Mm. And, and so I, I think it is profoundly, I think, from a Jesuit standpoint of evangelism, or a Christian notion of evangelism, it's exactly what we have to be doing, we have to be going into those, the door of popular culture. And then, and and trying to, and sometimes, sometimes rearranging the furniture to show to show really what's at work in all of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I um, as you're talking, I, I think about that. Was it that Neil Gaiman quote that's kind of paraphrasing G.K. Chesterton, which is something to the effect of, um, you know, fairy tales aren't true because drag- dragons aren't tr- aren't real, but fairy tales show us that they can be defeated. Something like that was a terrible butchering yeah. of that quote. Yeah. But maybe you know what I'm talking about. And um, and I have two little girls, you know, and 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 you know, we we give them the the scripture stories, right? But we also give them all these fantastical stories that. That helped them again, as as you've been talking to, show how good triumphs over evil uh, in, in in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, kind of playing off that there, I wonder, as you're reflecting on Star Wars and your own kind of personal uh, journey with both the franchise, but also with this deep theological reflection, ha- have have either of you had any sort of spiritual uh, kind of revelation or, or deepening of understanding of your own personal faith lives that Star Wars itself has opened
2: up for you?
1: Yeah, go go ahead, Ryan. Sure.
2: You know, I, I was watching, I, so I was home last week on to visit my family and my parents were gone one evening. So I was watching Obi-Wan and there's a line, I think in the first episode, Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. Yes. Yeah.
1: I sure. love this.
2: Okay. I texted this to a group of to, like some of my students with whom I have worked on little projects. And two of them are, one is entering the Society of Jesus and one is discerning the Jesuits. And I said, isn't this interesting? Because this is like, this note, this recognition that the way we are in the world isn't isolated to the self, it's not the solipsistic, inward turned spiritual focus, like live your best truth, Ryan. No, it is you live a truth that other people recognize. And it leaves a trail, it leaves a trace that gives hope to some, the oppressed, the marginalized, the, the hopeless. Right. And it offends those who want to retain power and their privilege. And you know, so you, you, you have this hope that flies in the face of the machinations of the empire. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a, a, a generative life-giving spirituality, such as one finds with Ignatian spirituality or Christian spirituality. I have found the, the developmental aspect of how does one become a Jedi? And I think we see that with Luke uh, learning to become, you know, who he is meant to be, embracing his vocation. I think we see it to to a degree in the Padawans of the uh, episodes one, two, and three. I think it was a bit lost in uh, seven, eight, nine, with Ray, which was unfortunate. I think that progressive uh, tutoring, training, apprenticeship could have been more more uh, to the fore. But I think that that the the journey of the spiritual quest, the journey of Christianity, of pilgrimage is one that is at simultaneously progressive unfolding over time and it's perfective. It's always calling out what is best in you, you know, sometimes chastening and uh, buffering never completed, always ongoing, always learning. I mean, even Yoda doesn't have it all taped down at the end <laughs> and that's right. fine, but that's part of that. Like we all have something to
1: contribute to the larger narrative
2: and that's what I, have I think spiritually, I take away. It's all a process
1: yeah beautiful ben it's very good yeah so i i grew up in a in a christian tradition uh which i'm very grateful but the emphasis was always on my personal relationship with jesus and i always saw uh the star wars like the the original trilogy as being okay good versus evil you know i have to be completely good so i can take over all of evil and jesus is going to help me be that but then growing up seeing the sequel i'm sorry the prequel trilogy where you're seeing sort of like, you know, the uh, the emperor, you know, manipulating forces to create the empire and sort of these larger forces at work. It helped me to kind of see the broader, I think, punch of Christian theology, that there is my relationship with Jesus, but it has to compel me to think about uh, how I as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, can can help people and love God, love others in, in a public context. Right. So it kind of broadened my understanding of what it meant to live as a Christian. It wasn't so much, as Ryan said, this internal like uh, devotional life. It was OK. How does my internal relate to my external? Am I loving God with my whole heart and loving my neighbor as myself and in what ways? And then growing up, I always looked through the at least the, the, uh, the prequel and the original trilogy through that lens. And then the sequel trilogy came along, which I think a lot of us have a lot of issues with narratively in some ways. But it also, there's a scene there, the Canto Bight, uh sort of sequence in The Last Jedi, which a lot of people didn't like. But I kind of liked where it went, talking about oppression and seeing these children who were enslaved to these forces. And sort of the, the bifurcation of the very, very rich and the very, very poor. And really not taking my faith necessarily to, how can I just love my neighbor you know, individually, but how can I get involved in the liberation of the oppressed and the marginalized? Right. So, so sort of like what Ryan said, I think there's this natural progression of, okay, I have this faith. What does it mean for myself to, to love God, to love Jesus, to be a good follower of Christ, but to relate to my neighbor and then even get involved in structural societal, um, initiatives that help liberate and help my neighbor flourish, those kinds of things. Right. So, but also what I loved about The Last Jedi was, you know, we find out that Rey is a nobody. She does not come from this wonderful lineage. She's just a nobody, and she's there. And Luke says, I will not be the last Jedi. And the Jedi is not gonna be this really privileged person who sits around the circle and makes all different kinds of decisions in, uh, in partnership with the Empire. It's gonna be somebody and something that, that liberates the oppressed and the marginalized, right? So I love that. And obviously the rise of Skywalker kind of, you know, did away with that kind of thinking, you know, wholeheartedly, but I love the punch that you get from Ray being a nobody because it wasn't about the Skywalkers. It wasn't about the solos with the Palpatines. It was going to be about a nobody, you know, that the, that the force is for everybody. And at the end of that film, you see one of the enslaved children in Canto Bight look up and. You know, they have like the, uh, the the rebellion ring and you see him holding a broom and he sees one of the ships go off into the distance. It's just so inspiring to me. La- the Rise of Skywalker did away with all of that, but I like to think that that had something uh, to say to me about my own relationship with God and my own theologizing about how I and the church ought re- to relate to the broader world.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It sounds like we have a, a couple of Last Jedi fans here, of uh, which I am. I am one too, so I, uh I agree, yeah. um, and then yeah, the beautiful reflections. Thank you. I um, w- one thing uh, that kind of comes to me, uh, Ryan. You mentioned Obi Wan, and there was a quote there. I was watching. I think the I think it's the finale. I was watching it with my wife, and um, and and you know, Obi Wan gets like his powers back, and he's fighting uh, Vader. Um, and Vader says, "You know, your your strength has returned, but your weakness remains." Um, and my wife, uh, who's a therapist, heard that kind of through that lens of of again like you know, we can be strong and still recognize that we have weaknesses and and both can be good. Um, and then, you know, it turns out that way for Obi-Wan. And that's something that I've, I've been kind of reflecting on in my own spirituality too. Like, Oh, like how can we embrace, you know, that we're strong people in, in faith, but, but, but not perfect. And that's okay. Um, So let's, let's get into the book and and let's talk about um, if you guys have favorite essays, Uh, Ben, I know you've, you've read them all as the, as the editor, Um, Ryan, I'm sure you've, you've read a few, Um, but, but maybe Ben, we can start with your, your favorite essay uh, of the piece uh, um, and you don't have to pick Ryan's Um, uh, your favorite essay and and why tell us about why, uh, you know, give us like the elevator pitch.
1: Yeah, I I, I, I really appreciate the question Uh, in order to appear very neutral. I'm going to say I loved all the essays the same, but let me go on Ryan a little bit because he's here. And if we were in different contexts and it was a different author, I would say the same thing. So what I loved about Ryan's piece is that he took a big risk. And it's sort of like this. Uh, it's narrative theology. It's telling a story. And it's funny, too. You know, there's a mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but, but there's a heading. It says something like much you have to learn dot, 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 from Luke X. And I'm like, that's hilarious. You know, I. I, I love that you were able to get to some pretty deep theological truths uh, through Aquinas and talking about the spirit through the lens of Star Wars and through the lens of story and really through the lens of humor, too. This is fun work. I was I was talking with uh, Ryan about this before you came on, Eric, but I'm, I'm an administrator. I'm an administrator for a living. Uh, but I, I love research. I love writing. I love theological reflection. And I always said that this is really, really fun stuff. And it's like sometimes we get very. Uh, caught up in in how academic theology needs to be very serious it can't have a lot of humor it needs to be kind of dry in order to get uh, to be legitimate or be respectable but ryan wrote a really good piece and it was funny it was engaging it told a story it ended very very well Um, i think to me that's the hallmark of really good theological reflection can i bring my whole self to it and all my flaws and everything can it be funny? Can I tell a story through it? Can I engage it with my whole self? That's really good theology. So that's what I love so much about Ryan's chapter. Uh, I love all of them, but I'll just pick on Ryan here because I thought it was so great.
0: That's fair. That's fair. So then in, in, in going off of that, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about your piece? Because I, I agree. I love the narrative angle of it. So maybe describe it for listeners. Um, but then also, I'm, I'm really curious because it, it, it you really... It felt like you were responding to maybe questions or, or or concerns that people have raised about the nature of the force species the Holy Spirit and grounding in this tradition so so tell us again about the piece and then what what kind of inspired its its writing
2: so uh, you know and thank you Ben that's a very your very kind words i had I was teaching a group of students who were completely into star wars this they, they I mean, if, if, I, if we renamed Marquette University to, like, um, Tatooine, I think they would be completely on board with that. They were absolutely uh, jazzed about it. And one of, in our discussions, what I found that we kept returning to was not so much the isolated philosophical and theological points, but the larger narrative that had to be held in sort of, that we held with it like there's a form of creative tension that was challenging us to think and one day in discussion one of the students really went off like was riffing on the holy spirit and the force and the, the, the same thing and i i'd like to think i'm i'm not a cranky tomist at the end like i like saint thomas and i'm i'm a Renarian at heart with a I don't know like a, a the the thought process of a Rene Girard i don't know i like my metaphysics um i like mimetic theory and I did have a bit of reflux. I thought, whoa. whoa, 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 whoa. there's there were some significant problems with uh, too facile equating the force and the Holy Spirit. So I thought to tell the story. So the, t- the chapter's title is an, an archa, not anarchic enough. Archa meaning an origin or a principle of order that is not sufficiently anarchic, which is what we see in Luke acts, what we I, see.
0: I, I will say, I think yours was the only uh, chapter title I had to look up most of the words in the title to understand what I was going to be reading about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, I, cleverness has a
2: cost, you know, <laughs> like just trying to be clever. Um, but that's the, you know, but we offered a spirited critique of the force. And that was not to, I mean, it's not to, to downplay at all the importance of of the force, but it is to say that the, the, the Holy Spirit and the Force are not the same same thing. But the fun of it is, it's in the sp- a spirited critique that I think we come to appreciate what's going on in Star Wars, the the idea of the Force, and at the same time we get to some what I would like to think is good theology uh, that 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 really brings out the potency and potential of of a, a, a robust understanding of the spirit. Like, I, I know you know, the rise of Skywalker is not anyone, very few people I think hold that out as a favorite. But if, if you look at, um, you know, that concluding scene on Exegol with, you, you have a the notion of the communion of the saints, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, where your know, Ray is down and out. And you get, what is it, Faulkner? Like the past is never dead, it's not even past. That there are those voices that continue to live within the force and call ray forth and with their, with that prompting that goading that encouragement you know she becomes the hero she's intended to be she does embrace what it means to be a jedi it's not as a one-off but as one who's an inheritor of that larger tradition well it's the spirit that i think you know in, in, there you would say ah oh, no that's the work of the holy spirit Uh, the role of memory, drawing the past into the present to transform the present, make a new future possible. That's great stuff. That's great stuff. Um, So there, that's where you would find an analogy with the spirit. But the idea that the that the force is the spirit, I I found that to be a bit harder of a sell. So I offered a critique of that, and tried to tell the story in a way that would make it at least accessible to an undergraduate reader.
1: Yeah. And I, I really liked it about your chapter. Can I, I want to read uh, your, your last paragraph, Ryan, because I think it was really good. Um, and, I, and I think it summarizes your chapter very well, but also sort of like shows like the style of your chapter for people who haven't read the book. It says, we close our eyes and stretch out with our feelings. In a world where forces of darkness and light still struggle for dominance, we feel ourselves drawn toward a power, an arche, that promises to make all things new. A frisson of fear as we are drawn to what is yet unknown, but the voice of Maz Kanata enkindles our courage to surrender to the Spirit, capital S, and embark upon a new adventure, for it is calling you. Let it in. I thought that was just a beautiful way to end your chapter. Thank you.
0: I, yeah, I, I, loved, I loved that chapter. And I think that... Um, it really gets to what you guys, like like the whole construction and what you were arguing in this chapter really got to what you both have been saying is the value of this this work in general, right? Is that if you had said to me, you know, Ryan, like, oh, the Holy Spirit and the force are different. I would have said, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. That makes sense. Um, and, and I, but at the same time, I would have said, oh, like I can see why someone would be tempted to, to equate them. But I think reading your chapter in this very creative way, you've, you've presented it, and, and diving deep into the lore, the mystique of, of the, of the franchise really helps to deepen the engagement with the Holy spirit, um, deepen your appreciation for the, for the text of the films, um, and then understand the difference. And I, again, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I, I not know if I'm being clear enough, but it was just such a good, like going deep to come out with, with a, a better understanding of something that you probably, you know, maybe understood, maybe kind of got, maybe didn't. But definitely do in a much more enriching way when you're when you finish this work, and and I think that's just the again like the value of of this this text that you guys have, have, have worked so hard on, but also just the work in general of diving deep into pop culture to better understand the work of God, mm. uh, in our you know very real world.
1: That's good. That's good. Yeah, and and it's interesting too because to me it's a. There's a very formational power to this kind of work. It's, you know, it's training people, helping people to think theologically about everyday life. You know, when you're sitting down watching Obi-Wan at the end of the day, it's like your mind isn't going to, you're, you're not going to stop thinking theologically. You don't have to. You can always think theologically about these things. So it kind of habituates you toward theological reflection in like really deep and powerful ways.
2: Yeah. And I have to say, Ben inspired me. His, so his call came out and mine was accepted. And then a few months later, I put in a similar uh, proposal for an edited volume on René Girard and popular culture for the same reason. And and so Ben, like when you said habituate, it does create a habitus. It's like a transformed way of seeing and engaging with texts. So that, I mean, not many people are going to sit down and read Violence in the Sacred or Slavov Zizek or Karl Rahner, Martin Heidegger. If you give them the right lens and just a small set of concepts, they will watch The Devil Wears Prada and see it with new eyes and recognize something deeper at work in the narrative as it unfolds on the the screen. Or like I did one on hoarding disorder. And if you you, you frame things in the right way, you expose hidden depths. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, people are busy I think that's why I think the podcast uh, genre is so important because you go for a run or you're in the car and you can listen for an hour and or 40 minutes or whatever, and you, you can get something from it. But if, when people are reading as perhaps long text or don't have the discipline to do it, they can uh, you'll watch a movie and it, with the right apparatus at hand. It changes everything for them. so this is again, it's a way of uh, deepening our understandings and it's 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 its own form of evangelism.
0: And it becomes a shared experience, right? And so, I wonder if you could comment um, on the ecumenical nature of of this work, and also the interreligious nature of of this work, because you have authors from from various traditions, uh, you know, thinking deeply about these about these uh, these stories. So, so what's the value of of something like Star Wars to um, interreligious and 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 inter, inter, uh interfaith dialogue?
1: Yeah. So, so we have a chapter written by a gentleman named Abdallah Rothman. Um, from Padawan to Jedi, you know, looking at that, like the path of spiritual ascension uh, through, through the lens of Islam, which I thought was very beautiful. But for me, I, I resonated with that chapter because in my own tradition, the Wesleyan tradition, and in many Christian traditions, we talk about, you know, entire sanctification or Christian perfection and those kinds of things, right? What does sanctification look like? What does holiness look like? And it almost always has to, to, to be and take place in the context of community there's a there's a uh there's a holiness that is embedded within the church and you know holiness takes place within the context of good community and there's a mentoring aspect of well of learning from from saints who have walked this journey and can help you walk the journey of sanctification and and into christlikeness so i i, I saw a lot of parallels between the, what he was drawing from in his own tradition and reading reading star wars through that lens to my own christian tradition as a a person in the wesleyan tradition of christianity and to me it it illuminated my understanding of what it means to to uh to grow in holiness to grow in faith uh to be a part of a formative community that will help uh, grow me toward christlikeness so it was it enriched my understanding and my own learning of my own tradition which i thought was very very powerful and i think that's one of the benefits i think interreligious dialogue is good because it helps us come to an understanding. It helps us realize our similarities and our differences a little more, but we learn something new about ourselves as well. And I thought that was very, very enriching. For sure, Ryan?
2: Yeah, you know, what I, I love about using Star Wars, and sometimes I think about the lightsabers that each lightsaber represent like that that there's something uh distinctive about each one that 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 they represent a style of how one is a jedi so that there's the same force that's at work throughout the world that they are all trying to be servants of the light i mean for the jedi and servants of the dark for the Sith. but but each one manifests that each one expresses through themselves uh and reveals how the force is at work in the world. And that that when they are all sort of aimed in the right, in the same direction, they are working toward a common goal. They, they do so differently, um, but, but each one reveals something of that power, that the force uh, that, that goes beyond uh, finite concept so that there's more at work that it's, Star Wars is a saturated story, saturated with meaning, saturated with potential, that it, there's not a one size fits all Jedi. Not everyone needs to be Yoda or Mace Windu, Mace Windu or Luke or Leia. It, 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 there, there's a individuality that, that there's a way of finding, finding oneself there and having something to contribute. And I, I think you know, for for people with a very narrow notion of religion, thinking thinking through the tableau with a wider lens uh, gives them a sense of like, oh, how these things can all work together.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Last question. Um, what in the Star Wars universe, as it continues to unfold, what are you guys most looking forward to comics, books, movies, TV shows, video games, what's on the horizon uh, that you are most excited about uh, the next you know, year, two years, 10 years?
1: Uh, all of it i mean it's interesting so there was a uh, a book that was published i think it was called shadows of the sith and i'm not halfway through okay i haven't read it yet i never really got in, into like the expanded universe all that much so i never really read star wars books but that's one where i'm like i gotta get my hands on that so i'm probably gonna read that and then you got you know third season of mandalorian you got ahsoka i mean just the universe is expanding in such rich ways and even drawing on some of the expanded universe what we would call legends now so I'm really excited about that i'm excited to have more and more of these conversations you know sort of like ryan was saying you know i couldn't help but read obi-wan through uh the lens of theology you know i'm like okay that's a paper you know obi-wan and hopelessness and obi-wan and uh the monastic life. these kinds of things i'm like thinking about all these different kinds of possibilities for theological engagement but i'm just so here for anything star wars these days
2: <laughs> me too man me too right <laughs> yeah, give you give given given the lifespan of of yoda and grogu i think we have like the next 700 years to look forward that's to right. as we watch grogu <laughs> develop that's i mean right. what's i mean it'll hit puberty and i'll be 90 you know what it's <laughs> <be>? <laughs> or, so yeah i think i i think there's unlimited potential for the story to keep moving forward and that's what i love about the innovation and creativity of the human spirit that that that, that we see this proliferation of figures and characters and the drama that captivates imaginations in in really profound ways, and I look forward to that because I think I, I, I think it is it's, whether it's Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or horror films or what have you. I think this is this is what captivates imaginations, what what holds people's attentions. And if we don't learn to dialogue with it, we will lose that frontier for engaging uh, another generation. Ooh, and if we can, you know, if if we can help them find their place in, in the story, or if they say like, I can imagine myself in this narrative, okay, let's go one deeper and show how your life is already caught up in being slowly uh, reconfigured by another narrative, another word. And I, so that that just excites me as, a, as I look to the potency and the potential of the future.
0: Yeah. Ah, oh, great point. Great point to end on. Um, where can we get the book? When can we get the book? Uh,
1: you get it now on Amazon or, uh, through, through the publisher. I think it's on Kindle. I think July 31st. Uh, I, I would wait and kind of see if there's discounts because they're always running deals and everything. Cause it's a little pricey right now. Uh, but yeah, amazon.com, the prices fluctuate a little bit, but you can get it on Kindle, I think, uh, in just a few days too
0: theology in the star wars universe right that's right all right ben ryan thank you so much for joining us today this was a lot of fun thanks so much appreciate it thank you so much amdg is a production of the jesuit conference of canada and the united states and recorded at our headquarters in washington dc and occasionally in my basement this episode was edited by me eric clayton our theme music is by kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference Communications team is Mike Jordan-Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Megan Leepsch, Beggy Sindelar, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits at Jesuits.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get weekly email reflections by visiting Jesuits.org weekly. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about becoming a Jesuit or Jesuit life in general, connect with your local vocations promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And as St. Ignatius may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.